Have you ever wondered why some young people choose to end their lives? Ever wondered who they are and who they left behind? Have you ever wanted to hear their stories? Would you like answers to these questions and many more? Welcome to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu. Her mission is to shine light on these young people, create awareness for, and educate the world on youth suicide. Opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Dr. Lulu and her guests. They are not a substitute for professional advice. If you are experiencing suicidal thoughts, call 1-800-273-TALK or send a text to www.crisistextline.org. Now, here's Dr. Lulu. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to Suicide Pages with Dr. Lulu, the podcast. Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Lulu, a.k.a. The Momatrician. I am that board-certified pediatrician, that mom, turn speaker, author, who's just trying to make a difference. Today, as we record this podcast, and I'm not sure when you're going to listen to it, but this week is actually... National Suicide Prevention Week. So what better week to talk to people who have walked their talk. And today's guest is no different. Her name is Miss Sherma Alexander Benjamin. Y'all, she's from Trinidad and Tobago, the island man. She's an island girl. She's got the beautiful island accent. I cannot wait to share her accent with y'all listeners. She's got a story to tell. She's been through it. Let me tell y'all, she's been through it. She was an orphan. She grew up with domestic abuse. She married into domestic abuse. But by the grace of God, by the grace of the universe, by the grace of all things good, she still stands today as an Amazon, a woman of substance, a woman who dared to live her life the way she wanted to live it. She's gone back to school, y'all, at a tiny little age of only 29, in quotes. And she's going back to become a social worker. So, y'all, we got one of them going to join us and help to make a difference in somebody else's life. She's got two grown adult children, and she's just trying to make a statement. She's trying to make a difference, trying to make sure that we know that it is okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. So without further ado, let us talk to Miss Sherma Alexander-Benjamin, my guest today. Sherma, thank you, thank you, thank you. Did I say Sherma? I meant Sherna. Thank you, thank you, thank you yes. for joining the family. Thank you for joining Suicide Pages. Ah, let's take it away, ma'am. Let's take it away. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me, and I'm blessed to be here. And I send the energy into the into the atmosphere, the energy of peace and love, and persistence. I send yes, that out today. We accept the energy of peace, love, and persistence, yo. Persistence. 
perseverance, resilience, all of those things you need to stand your ground like an Amazon, rise from the ashes like a phoenix. This woman is here to talk to us, Mm y'all. Thank you so much for joining the family. Thank you. Thank you. So where do you want to start your story today, ma'am? You know, Dr. Lulu, I'll start from the beginning, my childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in an, an abusive, violent environment as a child. Now, back in the 60s and the 70s, no one really spoke about child abuse, about sexual assault, um, about violence in the home. Those were the nasty little secrets that everyone had to keep. And what compounded that secret is I, I grew up in an era where the colonial masters had some way when it comes to the laws in the Caribbean, the West Indies. And there was this law that was actually called the Bastards Law. When you grew up out of wedlock, you were actually labeled a bastard child and what? also um, an imp- yes, and also impure. So when you you you're being wait, registered wait, and your birth certificate wait, wait, was being prepared, what? I have never heard this before. Yes. So there's a bastard law, and yes. you're impure just because yes. you're born. Like you asked yourself to be born. Do you hear? Do you hear what you're telling me? For real? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Yes. Wow. So on your birth certificate, for many of us. In the name category, there was just girl or boy. And then in the other category, it would have the word bastard. What? Um, Strangely, it... Yes. I have never... So, yes. So for us, we were not seen as human and we were considered born to fail. So we were basically objects and people can do with us what they will because we were not really human and also we were seen as impure as corruptors so even at the institutional level and the systemic levels we were kind of we were separated from what you will call pure children so no matter how skilled you were how bright you were how many abilities you had you were held back because you were basically born to fail and that was that Apart from my my abuse as a child, that compounded it. The other thing that compounded that and added another layer to my abuse was the fact that I'm a Caribbean woman of African descent, or a Caribbean girl child of African descent, and being born a girl child. So you would you would get a picture of the type of abuse that I um, experienced. I grew up not knowing who my mother was for a a large period of my life and also who my real father was. And it was only as an adult, I had to accept the fact that I was an orphan. So the abuse within that environment, within that home, it was so devastating that it led me to have not just suicidal ideations, but actual um, going through with it on on many occasions. And for some reason, I would say the universe, the Father, you know, God did not allow me to die on the many instances that I tried to to kill myself. Um, 
you know, so that abuse set me on that self-destructive path. I felt not accepted. I felt um, socially isolated and excluded. Um, I, I, I was just a wreck. You know, I was actually a wreck and I went on this real self-destructive path for a large portion of my life. So that's like my backdrop to my story. I want to give you a hug. I want to send love. I want to send light. I want to send goodness to you, yes. ma'am. Thank you. Oh, my word. We haven't even scratched the surface and I'm already crying. So I'm just going to stop. Ma'am, yes. oh, which of yeah. these, where do you want to start? How was growing up for you? How was growing up? How was it? Um, growing up for me was one of the most difficult periods in my life. And in many ways, that childhood still affects my life today. Um, being not just sexually abused as a child, but also physically and psychologically abused. Oh my God. Um, I was stripped of every, everything that I had. I also was not aware of what was happening to me at, the po at that point in time because there was no education, there was no information, and, and there was no one that I can turn to to say this is what was happening to me within the home. Um, I tell people one of the most painful, painful nights of my life is at the age of six and a half, seven, when my male abuser raped me in the home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it. I remember it as it was yesterday and he coming into that room and physically violating my tiny frame of a body. Oh. Um, and that was, that was some pain that I would, I would not forget because it has scarred me. Yes. And it remains, you know, um, remembering the way how he touched me and oh. his scent. Um, also, when he was finished, you know, because like he came prepared, he had this this um jar or this ointment and he was like okay this is what little girls go through at this age and remember that i would always love you i would always be there for you and you know Lulu, what? Dr. Lulu, that word love whenever somebody would say to me even as a young adult that they love me immediately i connected it to pain yes yes i, I was waiting for you to say that yes like this car this the scab I was connected. just old yes yeah yes um i i never you know and even from the abuse like on my face there's a scar and i had challenges looking at my own self in the mirror mm. i had challenges loving myself loving my body i had challenges even talking about parts of my body because i felt so so ashamed i felt as though i felt flawed um that there was something that i did or something that i didn't do that caused this pain um, I also began a process of having this sort of hate-love relationship with God because, oh. you know, growing up also in the Caribbean, there's this strong 
spiritual or religious connection that you, you have know to what to you have to serve god i believe you and that is one thing that i, one thing that I noticed crying and, and even when 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 no go ahead go ahead i was going to tell you that that's one thing i noticed a lot of because i'm nigerian like you and every single street mm-hmm. in nigeria has a church and every single church all kinds of sacrilegious things are going on inside the walls yes. of the same church and it's like what what is i don't know i completely recognize and appreciate the love hate relationship with god even to date i i feel that way sometimes like are you really yes. there if you are why is this and such and such going yes. on in the world you know the more churches you have yes. almost yeah. almost yeah. parallel to the more churches you have the more of the sacrilegious things going on inside of the church so it's like Mm-hmm. what's going on what's the deal you know yes. mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. yeah and I when I sit in the pews in church and I would hear the minister say that God is love for God so love the world and 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 everything about God and love and I would like what kind of God is this? What type of love is this? Because there was never a moment in my childhood that I experienced love that I can see this is love or I can reciprocate it or I can receive that love. Mm. So when you are telling me that God loves me, how, how would I know that? How, should, how would that look to me? How is that manifested when all I know and have experienced is when I hear the word love, Mm. It's pain. Mm. And I have, I have socialized and accepted that to, to, to be loved, even placing my own self in dangerous situations because that is how I perceive love. Yes. And also self-subjecting myself to pain and abuse because in my mind from growing up, this is what love looks like. Oh my this God. is what love is. I'm so sorry. I, I know I can't go back and I know the listeners cannot go back, but ladies and gentlemen, I know you can hear the pain in her voice. This is real, man. This is real. I am so sorry for all it's worth because I'm a human. I'm a sister. I'm African. I see you, sister. I feel you. I'm trying my best not to start crying because I'm a big, mm-hmm. big cry baby for everything you went through as a child. I am so, so sorry. I, I, do, I can't fix it now, but thank you so much for sharing. I can only imagine how painful it must have been, frightening and just like no respite. You're six years old for goodness sakes. You don't know any better. And the person who supposedly loves you, who's supposed to be taking care of you is causing you so much pain. Wow. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I remember as a child that, you know, I was around 11 or 12 and I taught myself if I did not brush my teeth, if I, I did not take baths, then the abuser would leave. You know, yeah. the abuse wouldn't happen. That didn't stop it. 
Mm. What transpired is that I got this thing on my tongue. I think it's um, some bacteria on my tongue because I've not brushing my teeth and, 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 and washing my mouth out because I just wanted to be out of that. I wanted peace. Oh. I wanted a place of peace. Mm. I wanted a place where hurt was not in existence. Yes. I wanted... You know, I wanted something that I could associate love with and to that was not painful, mm. that was not detrimental to me as a human being. And oftentimes when we hear people speak about childhood traumas and um, childhood abuses, they, they sort of fancy it up and then... It, you know, they, they don't really go deep into the real trauma and the effects of what this does to a human being. And I was literally walking as a young child alone in fear, in shame, thinking that this abuse was my fault. Of course. And just wanting to be out of it, wanting to just end my life. So I could remember walking, going to school and just seeing the traffic and just thinking, envisioning myself just running across the road oh my and, and God. being knocked down by, by a van and, and I, you know, be on the road. I will walk up the stairs in school and I will just look down and just, it's as if I was just building the courage up to just throw myself over. Oh. But there was always something just holding me back. And or someone would just come in at that moment when I would put my mind in that place. You know, and a lot of times people say that suicide is, or even contemplating suicide is weakness. It's not weakness. Thank you. It's that place where... It's that place where the human mind reaches to a point where it says, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't go on anymore. <sighs> and it's that place where the human mind says, no one else understands. No. no one understands what I am going through. It's not weakness. I know, you know, it's funny you said that just yesterday I talked about because this week is National Suicide Prevention Week. So yesterday my Facebook Live was about your teen and suicide, 13 reasons why. And one of the things I mentioned there was this gentleman who had attempted suicide, who was talking about exactly what you're saying, that someone who's died by suicide is, first of all, they are not selfish, which a lot of people think is selfish. But the truth is that at that point, mm -hmm. you are emotionally spent. You completely have no more emotional reserves mm -hmm. to try any other option. Yes. And so at that point, that is the option. But also, you have to have a weapon or a means. And you see, in your own case, you just put it, you just embodied what he was saying. You had the point, you got to the point where there was, you had no option anymore except to jump, but then somebody came. So you never had that ideal moment to do it. Something always happened. Mm -hmm. To prevent either maybe your own yes. self talk yourself yep. out of it or somebody came in mm -hmm. or whatever but what he was trying to say is he says suicide is in many ways the ultimate state of burnout that was so powerful yes it's the ultimate yes. state yes. of burnout whereby 
He said, it's like tunnel vision. It's like the walls are closing in. It's like you're on fire and you want to put the fire out. Like you're burning. Yes. Oh, wow. His yeah. love was so powerful. I was crying when yes. I was reading it. You know, that people dare not think it's selfishness for the person that gets to that point. First of all, it took a while to get to that point. Second of all, it's not because they really yeah. wanted to, but because at that point, they're completely emotionally exhausted. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. I, wow. I completely agree. And a, an 11-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, a 15-year-old should not be in a place emotionally, psychologically, or in that physical environment where their only option is to think about suicide. Exactly. Exactly. Should never. Really, you know what, in all fairness? Yes. Anybody, nobody should ever be at that point. Yes, nobody. Exactly. What he said also was that love is not enough. He said if love were enough, nobody should be dying at all. And I and I don't mean I know what yes. I know what love does to you, but I'm just saying in the real sense of the word love. Yes, yes, I know. I can't love you yeah. enough yeah. for you to want to stay. I mean, and then money is not enough. Mm-hmm. Fame is not enough. Look at Hollywood. Yes. Look at the world. One suicide every yes. forty seconds. Yes. So love is not enough. Fame is yes. not enough. None of that is enough. But especially mm-hmm. as you said, the children, the future, our future should never get to the mm-hmm. point where sure. they feel like they have nowhere else to go. Sherna, I can't even, I it's can't, sure. yes. I know we're not there yet, but I can't, I just want to thank you halfway, <laughs> just so you know that I appreciate you coming to share this, this morning with us. Mm-hmm. Indeed, yes. this is deep, this is so deep for yes. you as a six-year-old, yeah. seven-year-old, eight-year-old, nine-year-old, ten-year-old. Mm-hmm. How did you, how did you manage you know, subsequent years, because I, obviously you started having suicidal thoughts at the age of six, I'm assuming, from when these things started happening. How did you yes. manage as you yes. got to a teenager, yes, a young adulthood? How did, how did that go? Um, I managed in two areas, by writing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I often say write, writing saved my life. Wow. And I wrote to myself, I wrote about myself and I wrote about the future that I wanted, even in the mind of a child, that, that fantasized future, I wrote about it. Um, the other thing that helped me as a teenager is being in school and loving education. But I always say that education didn't love me because once again, being labeled a bastard child, no matter how excellent you were at academics, you were always held back Are you in, serious? in some, some extent. That is terrible. Yeah, because the children, yeah, the children who were seen as being pure and coming from prestige homes were always given the priority over the others. So in the, in the Caribbean or in Trinidad and Tobago, at that time, we had something called the common entrance exam where we have that. at the age we of 11, that. you would sit there. 
Yeah. You would send this national exam to go to a secondary school. And what would happen is no matter how brilliant you were, they would always place children like myself in one of the lower ends secondary school. Oh my God. While the children on the higher ends will be placed in what is called the prestige schools or, or so forth. So there, 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 there was this, this institutionalized um, order and process that kept a lot of us back. But I kept pushing. I kept pushing and I kept pushing because I also saw at the age of 14, the power of education, and not just academic or formal education, but informal education. Yes. The power of knowledge, the power of learning, the power of understanding. And that, that sort of kept me, and you, you know, to push forward and mm. to, 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 to be the change. And then I start looking at my own situation of abuse mm. as... This is heinous, um, but just not. Mm, I'm sorry. But I don't think that I am the only one experiencing this. Because as a young girls, we would, we would speak, you know, in our own little groups in school. And you would hear other girls who are more bold would speak about their, their stories. And I wouldn't say anything. I would just silently listen. Yeah. And I, back then, I said no. I said then, where are all the adults? Mm. Where are all the people who pledge to protect us as children? Yes. And, and I started my own journey of rebellion, as you would say, <laughs> to, to be um, a, a challenge, always challenging what authority said. Yes. Challenging what was looking like the norm. Um, just stepping in when I saw another schoolmate was being um, abused in some. Okay. Yeah, so as a teenager, I realized that I was not alone in this whole small world that I thought that I was the only one being um, abused or experiencing suicidal thoughts. And so I began, you know, as a, as a in school, when I would see my classmates being reprimanded for something that they didn't do, or it's just these these aggressions and microaggressions was just being um, laid out to them. Um, and I didn't know all the terminologies at that point in time, but in my spirit, I knew this was wrong. And I will just lend my voice to it. I will challenge authority. I will, you know, encourage my fellow classmates to say, no, you can't do this. You have to, you know, you have to stand up and, you know, I, I became what was called a little, I was rebellious. I was a, a rebel, um, but for a good cause. Um, back then, you know, principals and teachers didn't see it as that. They saw you as disobedient, as rude, um, but that was my, my way of also saying to society, I need help, we need help, and we need someone to be a voice exactly. know, for us. And we, yeah, we need you to hear us. We need you to hear us. And uh, you, you know, so, so those, those are some of the things that actually helped me in writing and that quest to learn, that quest to know, that quest to understand. Because 
what was happening to me, I did not fully understand. And I wanted to understand why this was happening. What did I do or did not do? And the other thing that affected me, there were so many things that affected me during that process of being abused, is I, I looked at myself as so flawed and imperfect that I tried to be a perfectionist at everything that I did not realizing that I was really imprisoning myself because I wanted to get everything perfect. You're the perfect. second one, you're perfect. the second person that said that to me. Yes, you're the second lady that told mm -hmm. me that. The other lady was also molested and she wanted to be her. Mm -hmm. She said her hair was never out of place. Nothing, her blouse, mm -hmm. everything was always. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And is making those those uninformed decisions because of the abuse contributing to those uninformed decisions and not being equipped with the, with the information to make the right decisions that, you know, propelled me to get involved in relationships, even as a teenager, um, that, that, that placed me in a position of being a teenage mother. <laughs> And being put in a position of being asked the question, you can have an abortion or you can keep this child. And I made a decision to keep the child because for me, one of the reasons I made that, I said, this may be the only person that I know what love is like that I can receive love but also being very afraid because not knowing how to give love to this child because I didn't know what that would look yes. like yes oh my god but just wanting to be accepted wanting to be belong to someone yes belong to a space belong to an environment belong to a group that I could connect with. Yes. And, you know, so that, that sprung up so many other, so many other issues, you know, in my life. And that I was going to ask about that. Something. Yeah. Just being a teenage mom yeah. with all the drama already pre-existed. And ironically, yeah. when I was a younger <laughs> version of me and I didn't know enough ignorance, I guess, for lack of a better term, I used to judge the teen mothers. I used to judge them. Like, don't you know, your, because I'm a doctor, don't you know your cycle? Don't you know when you, when you yeah. can be, I don't know, safe or when you're not safe? I just never thought about the fact that there are people like you who mm -hmm. genuinely just want out. They just want someone, like you said, just to belong to someone, someone to love unconditionally yeah. or be loved. And so hopefully, I know I'm not like that anymore, mm -hmm. but hopefully one who's listening to us will hear this and maybe, just maybe not judge, not be too quick to judge the next teenage mom that you see, or dad for that matter, that we see. Mm -hmm. This has been an eye opener for me personally because mm -hmm. I've never even ever thought about that fact until this moment. So thank you for opening my eyes that way. Wow. So being a teenage mom, I just know that that must have been the hardest thing ever. How did that go? Yes, it was. It was, well, you know, my schooling was interrupted. Um, so that was one thing by itself. And 
having to understand and navigate the space of being a teenage mother, more so being exposed to the onslaughts and the judgments of society. And I was one of those, and I want to apologize because I was one of those. I didn't know you, (laughs) but I was one of those, and I apologize from the bottom of my heart. I apologize. And I, you know, that is so nice that you can, you can acknowledge that because society can really judge people very harshly and the judgments of society can also push people further into that aspect of suicide because you feel, okay, if my family is doing this, the home that I grew up doing this, then I'm looking out to even a stranger to understand what I'm going through and to extend not a hand out, you know, but a hand up to me. Yes. And you're getting that same judgment, that same judgment from society. And society itself could be a harsh place to live in and to navigate. And so a lot of those things sort of put me in a, a, a another emotional, you know, cycle, mm-hmm. you know, making me feel um, further isolated, yes. um, validating a lot of the things that society says about bastard mm. children, they're mm. going to fail, you know, so bearing all of, bearing all of this, you know, so it was a really hard, hard thing. I would, I would, I would say to you, Dr. Lulu, I remember getting pregnant after that first pregnancy and I had a bonus. Because I, in my mind, I am not going to do this again. I am not equipped. I cannot be. And, and, and then looking at society, just even going to the clinic when I was pregnant that first time. And going to the clinic and doctors and nurses just treating you as though you're nothing. Mm. Treating you as though you're wow. nothing. This is, I've not never heard of this before. Of this is the worst thing I've ever heard. Even t- Systematic, yeah. institutional, governmental, you name it. Yeah. For, yeah. Oh, well, to what yeah. end? Not I want to know. Yeah. To what end? What was their ultimate goal? And, 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 and again, the, I, I think it was just holding that status quo in society yes. that this is what society should look like. Mm. And then religion had a large part to play in it. That whole aspect of, of, of racial division had a lot to play in it. And no doctor or no nurse or midwife took the time to ask the question, what happened? Mm. What happened? What happened? But it was just these judgmental thing. Oh, you're rude and you're young and you believe because you 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 started you're menstruating that you you are a woman, so you're just giving yourself here and giving I yourself not, not knowing oh. and not yeah and not not allowing themselves to see through somebody else's lens. And until as a society we reach to that point where we can see through another group of people lens, see through another individual lens, then we would have the judgments continuing. And the segregations and the separations and the isolations. And And the suicides. But when we stop, and the suicides. But when we stop for a minute and just ask a question, what happened? How can I help? Yes. And, and that is one thing you've mentioned. Then we will see. That is one thing you've mentioned that I have to say. Compassion is a definition. Is def- By definition yes. is empathy plus 
how can I help? A lot of people out there think yes. empathy is the answer. No, compassion is the better one. Compassion. Like, first of all, yeah. how, what, why, and all that. But then what can I do to help you with your situation? And yeah. again, I have to say, you have put yeah. me to shame today. I'm old enough to say that I was wrong all those years when I just judged, 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 judged like crazy everyone who had a baby because I just thought mm, they just wanted it or whatever. I don't know. But, you know, indeed, every now and again, there was one mm-hmm. like who just the circumstances were just not in. Just, oh, oh, I can't even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So fast forward to, and, you know, and I, 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 oh, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. there's that delay, but fast forward to adulthood and then you got married and the cycle continued. You know, mm-hmm. I said that one time, most victims of domestic abuse or domestic violence or dating violence, as they get older, it continues even in other relationships and it just the cycle just continues. So is that what happened with you pretty much? Yes, yes. At the age of 25, um, young, again, uninformed, a single mother, um, I was searching. I was searching because I was trying to find who I was, trying to find my own identity because that identity was stolen at birth from mm-hmm. the time that my the, the, the registrars could put on my birth certificate, just girl and bastard. Mm-hmm. My identity was stolen. So I, mm-hmm. you know, at 25, you're trying to, I'm trying to find myself. And, you know, once again, I used religion as a prop. And so many people are using religion as a prop mm-hmm. because I thought just running to church and doing what the, what the minister says that I should do, that I would find peace, that I would find acceptance, that there would be hope, that there would be a change. Uh, on the contrary, church can be a very messy place. Church can be a very lonely and isolated place. And church can be one of the most judgmental places that an individual and a human being could be in. Um, Miss Sherna, say that again for those at the back. Church can be all of those things. Yeah. And yet we're supposed to go yes. there and find peace. Are you for real? Peace. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, you know, while being there, I met my husband. He is 21 years older than, than I was. Um, he was what most people would call a, a gospel minister, preaching on the pulpit and calling down heaven and fire and so forth. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to laugh. <laughs> I have to laugh. That's funny. <laughs> calling down. Uh, there was this person, and I, 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 I was attracted to this, this, this person as, as, as a male, as an authority figure, and, and also looking for that father figure that I never had, finding that, that, that place yes. of being accepted. And also being, you know, um, not informed. Um, you know, you 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 are totally things that you want to hear and to make you feel a certain way. And so I got married. You know, at twenty five years old, mm. and the night of my wedding, when that should be a nice, blissful night and enjoy a night of enjoyment and love and everything. 
I remember saying to my my husband, who is deceased now, I said, you know, I'm so tired, you know, I just need to rest. And this gentleman went into a fit of rage. And he was like, um, what do you mean you're tired? You're my wife and you're supposed to do your duty on the, tonight. On the oh, God. And the next thing I knew is that his hand was on my throat. <gasps> and my, my nightwear was being ripped off of me. And then I was stripped and he forced himself on me. What? You know? That was my first night. And who can I run to now? Who can I tell? Because this is someone who is looked up to as a minister in the church. This is someone who travels and is preaching and ministering the word and is praying for the and who can I go to and say this is what happened and wow <laughs> you know it, it, it was as I tell people Dr. Jekyll moments and Dr. Hyde moments there was physical abuse there was controlling that I couldn't move or go somewhere without someone being with me oh my God. um I was, there was times, even in the church, when I sort of share my point of views on certain things, I was publicly shut down what? and silenced. Yes, shut down First lady, the wife of the preacher? Yes, that woman ought to, 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 to hush and listen. And if you have any questions, ask it at home. And, you know, oh. literally shut down and shamed. And, and I know why. I know why. You came to I, him broken you came yes. to him already with you know your own just your own you're the classic you are the classic yeah. wife that had to be abused you just had to be because yeah. you came yeah. with a child you came quote unquote as a bastard god please forgive me for yes. saying that word yes but you came to yes. him ed and broken and he saw an avenue to have the word marriage married next to his name but yes. really just a toy yeah. To play with and beat up yes. and tough, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, and 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 so many others within the church would see the behavior and would see and they wouldn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things we in society do not say anything. So silence pacifies and continues the abuse, hmm. but it's the silence from the victim or the silence from the bystanders, and. You know, as, as the marriage continued, what I got to realize from his family members and even from himself when he got ill was the fact that he was one of 13 children that came out from severely abusive mm-hmm. environment. Mm-hmm. And right there, it, it hit me and it was like, you can put people who have been abused in a room with a million people, yet they will find each other. Yes. Wow. And it hit me. You know what? You it just hit me. You just nailed it. Not only was he coming from a place of empty himself, he was completely empty. Mm-hmm. He can't give what he doesn't have. And so he ah. doesn't know what to he can't even love you. Wait, you yes. are coming from your own emptiness. He's mm-hmm. 21 years older than you. You're looking for a father figure. Yes. It's just it's a the perfect storm. For you, this is yes. the case of yes. the perfect storm. Next storm, 
Yeah, and what I realized wow. is that the things that I wanted emotionally and I was expecting and pushing him to give me, that will put him in, not excusing his abuse, you know, but I will push him against a wall and he will lash out like a lion because he doesn't know what to give. He, yes. he himself didn't have it to give. Exactly. Exactly. And it's when that hit me, I had to realize I had to begin a journey of finding myself, of loving myself, just removing everybody out of the picture okay. and finding you know what? who I was. You know what, Miss Cherna? I love you. Mm -hmm. I appreciate you. I love you too. You know what? Mm -hmm. That is a perfect place for us to stop today. And I'll tell you why. You have yes. just unpacked. You have just unpacked all of the baggage. That point where you mm -hmm. said you had to find yourself and now begin your journey towards resurrection, towards, towards saving yourself. It's tomorrow's yes. podcast. I need people to yes. get a piece of this, this, what we've talked about today, which was so much. Mm -hmm. We didn't even scratch the surface, as you and I know. Yes. I want you yes. to hold on to many of my guests have come back. Many mm -hmm. have come back to, to do part two of their resurrection. Literally, like, yes, yes. I knew you were, I knew once we started talking, I knew you were going to be an author. I knew it. I could tell. Because most people write from the depth of their anguish. And so I could tell that yes. you were going to say something about writing. But the fact that you've gone back to school to become a social worker is the proverbial cherry on top, the icing yes. on the cake. You're coming to help those because indeed when you reach up to the top, you stretch down your hand and bring others up with you. And that, my dear, yes. is what you've done or what you're doing. You're yes. so many levels. Wow. Before we, we end, I really want to ask my guests. And ladies and gentlemen, she has agreed to come back, okay? So for those of you who are enjoying this, yes. story, there's only so many minutes we have per podcast. But for those of you enjoying the story, she will come back. She will be back. She's going to make an appointment today and come back tomorrow if she has to. But I do want to ask her a few questions. First of all, of all the things that you've been through, and I know we didn't touch all of it, what mm -hmm. kept you going? Number one. Number two, do you have a favorite phrase or a favorite quote? And then number three, when are you coming back? Because this is just, oh my word. <laughs> Goodness. You know what? Um, what kept me going is there was just something within me that says this could not be who I am. This could not be who I was created to become. And that I needed, you know, I think it was from this place of I, I have to prove to society, I have to prove to the legislators, I have to prove to my abusers that you, what you said about someone like me being a bastard child is not, is not my reality. Amen. You know, and also to, to, to be a, a pioneer to other people like myself, mm -hmm. to let them know you can make it the road will be rough. It will be thorny, but you can make it too. Wow. And 
so it was coming from that place that really kept me going that this is not going to be my life. I am not going to be a statistic. You know, I am not going to be just that girl who was abused or that girl who probably took her own life. I was not going to be that. And I was not going to be what society says that I should be. And there's this quote from, I think it's a Nigerian author. Uh, I have to put my laptop on to get it, but he actually speaks about being greater than our suffering. Amen. And for some reason, it's oh, just now I don't know why it was shutting down. <laughs> my battery is full, but it's in me shutting down. I don't know why. Oh, I can still hear you, but it's but it's frozen. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we had to end it that way on that day. We lost the audio, and um, that was the end of the interview. Thank you all so much for always listening to me. Thank you so much for always carrying out the actions, because today I'm going to ask you to please do me a favor. Take a deep breath. Next time you think about judging a teenager who has a child, like I did, like I did, I, like I confess to have no problems doing that. I'm old enough to do that. But next time you want to judge someone who is suicidal, for instance, before you think that they're being selfish or they're being self-centered, ask yourself, what if that was you? And what if what had happened to them had happened to you? And on that note, I'm going to say have a wonderful day, have a wonderful week ahead, and I'll see you all next week. Thank you.